Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Three talented Cuban athletes leave their families and homes behind as they set off in a pursuit of the ultimate dream a contract with Major League Baseball. They travel to Costa Rica and train under a seedy sport agent who dangles the promise while exploiting their talents. As they navigate immigration and ulterior motives of handlers, each man finds an unexpected path towards a better life. The film is called The Last Out, and it will be screening as part of the Doc NYC 2020 program, and we're honored to have with us the co-directors of The Last Out, Sammy Khan and Michael Gassert. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Pleasure to be here. I am very curious, before we get into the heart of the story, because it's you follow these three remarkable people, uh, and there's such a backstory with Cuba and the United States and baseball and you know, just so, so much there to talk about in terms of kind of the culture they came out of. But this looked like it might have been a pretty difficult project in terms of the logistics of it and just kind of being there for to tell the story of these three young men. Um, I'll start with you, Sammy. What what were the challenges of following these three men on their journey towards uh, their goal of Major League Baseball? Early on when we sort of discovered that the film was going to be present tense, verite, observational filmmaking, um, you know, one of the major challenges was just keeping up with events as they happened. Um, and we started filming our main story in early 2015. And on the one hand, there were these ma- these seismic uh, sort of geopolitical changes which were happening. Obama and Raul Castro announced the, the changes in uh, U.S.-Cuban relations. But then just the events in, in Costa Rica, which, uh, you know, is sort of the main location of our film where these three Cuban ballplayers are basically lured to. Um, so that was like, a, that was a challenge, you know, and we were using every technological tool we had, um, a lot of WhatsApp, and that was like kind of quaint now because it was sort of the beginning of WhatsApp. And it, it required actually uh, just being on it, following up with everybody, whether it's Gus, the agent, the coaches, and of course the players. Um, and that first year, Mike really spent a lot, a ton of time down in Costa Rica and really uh, formed a tight relationship with the players and especially happy. Um, and so, you know, we were just kind of working at an all ends, trying to get that, that, you know, those tips that stuff was going to happen. And, you know, half the time, nothing would happen. <laughs> a, a big scout would come down and it's like, okay, they're going to sign. This is going to happen. This is going to be the one. And then nothing happened. But Occasionally, like when one of the players is cut in the film and forced to decide whether he's going to stay in in Costa Rica or make the journey north by land to the U.S. border, that was like a monumental decision. And, uh, you know, and then we had to decide what we were going to do, you know, how the film was going to change um, and, you know, whether it was going to be this baseball story or whether it was going to be something deeper. Yeah. Well, Michael Gassert, uh, there is a, you're also the, one of the cinematographers, you and 
Jonathan Miller, who's also one of the producers of the film. Michael, in terms of just shooting them, and because you follow all three of these players, and Happy Oliveras, Victor Barro, and Carlos Gonzalez, and we get up close and personal with all of them. What were, well, again, adding to what Sammy was saying about the challenges of filming this, uh, what were your primary obstacles or, or, or issues that you had to deal with? Well, I think, um, you know, going back to the idea of access, I think you can trace it back just to the origins of the story when Sammy keyed into this unique situation that uh, Cuban immigrants and these specific uh, ball players face as a result of the geopolitical situation and the trade embargo we have with Cuba. And that led him to Gus, who really brought us into this story, Gus the agent in the film. And um, I think a lot of people probably tried to get close to Gus and tell his story, but, you know, Sammy developed a, a, a relationship with him and, and we interviewed him early on and he brought us down and introduced us uh, to Baro and, and Happy and, and Carlos in Costa Rica. And I think it's interesting on a number of level, on a number of levels, if you go to some of those early interviews or first moments when we meet these guys in the field, they're really stiff and kind of rigid. And even Gus is kind of over our shoulder asking the questions. So we kind of came into it with Gus and almost uh, as part of an extremity of him in terms of the perspective of the guys. But as time unfolded and we started going back and realized that we needed to really to get past that barrier just emotionally, we needed to embed ourselves with the guys. And I think it was, you know, after the first trip or two, when we realized that maybe this isn't just a story framed around Gus, it's, it's the story of these young men who just sacrificed so much to pursue their dream and help themselves and their family. And there was a real moment there where, you know, we knew that, that we had to go with them wherever it took us. And I think as the relationships between Gus and the players changed, so did our relationship with, with the players as well, you know, um, in terms of our access to them. And so I think in terms of the challenges and difficulties, obviously, you know, it's real life and you have to be able to think on your feet, but we understood some of the dark turns that this story could take. And as we got closer and closer to the players, and it became real for them, it became real for us as well. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for that because it just, as I was watching uh, The Last Out, I kept thinking about the challenges that you just described, the book that you just described. So I, I wanted to kind of explore that first, but I want to go back to sort of the origin story for your interest in doing this. You mentioned Raul Castro and, and uh, President Barack Obama sitting down, him being Barack Obama, going to Cuba, watching Cuban baseball players, that sort of kicked off this sort of um, change in international uh, dynamics between the United States and Cuba. I'm, I'm kind of curious. I'm a baseball fan. I have been for my entire life. What impact, if any, did the signing of Yasiel Puig here in, with the Dodgers have on what the interest was in Cuban baseball players? Is, was it, did this factor in at all? Or I just, because Puig, when he came to L.A., was a phenomena. He was incredibly popular and dynamic and personality to burn, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Michael, is, did that have any, any impact at all on this or was it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, early on, um, before we latched on to the A story of Gus and, 
and Happy and Carlos and Baro in Costa Rica, um, we were investigating different stories surrounding Cuban baseball and the risk that players take in order to leave the island and, and pursue the possibility of playing in the major leagues. And we were following the trail of, of Yasiel Puig, although you know he's already in the majors in 2015 and, and the trail was cold, but uh, we were in South Florida talking to the Coast Guard agent that first intercepted him uh, the first time he tried to leave the island. And I remember he, uh, he relayed to us that Puig said to this agent, he's like, you're gonna see me again, you know? I'm, <laughs> or something like that, right, Sam? He's like, I'm, I'm a big deal. <laughs> and whatever he said in Spanish. But, um, but other things too, I mean, we, we talked to, uh, I mean, to be honest, some of the smugglers that, that helped get him out of Cuba in alligator infested waters. Even uh, on our first trip to Cuba, uh, we went to Cienfuegos where he, he played and um, we sort of followed the nose to, uh, to his hometown, even even track down the house where he grew up and supposedly his, his brother was still living in there. So, you know, we were really interested in just the stakes and not only where where uh, this passion come from, came from, but, you know, where these human beings come from. And, and, you know, part of our trail of finding Puig was going to a municipal baseball game at at seven o'clock in the morning that was packed full of people. You know, there was nothing else around, but but sugar fields and, and, a, and a packed full, you know, stadium uh, waiting to see these young players. So yeah, I'm sure Sammy has some. Yeah. Which we see there. at the beginning. Yeah. We see at the beginning of the film, this, this romance that uh, the Cuban people have with baseball. And it just, for me as a baseball fan, just sort of speaks to the idea of the, the beauty of the game of baseball and how it travels well around the world. There is a certain, there's an allure to it that, transcends any sort of cultural consideration so sammy um yeah let's let's talk uh, about what what michael was just talking about sort of uh, these personalities and i will just go out in a little bit of a limb here and say the people you found have are, are complex dynamic personalities and all three of them i had a feeling were trying to aspire to that that sort of personality plus if you will in terms of projecting their confidence projecting who they were sammy you want to talk about these three young men that, that we follow happy victor and carlos yeah so um you know happy is kind of our, our protagonist he's sort of the main character he's from uh, way east in, in in cuba in a place called baracoa um, which feels like it's the edge of the world you know we've been fortunate to go there a couple times and spend time with his family. Um, but, you know, his name's Happy. You can sort of imagine what kind of person has a name, nickname like Happy. And, you know, it's not Feliz in Spanish. His nickname is Happy. Um, and his father was called Happy. His brother is called Happy. His nephew is called Happy. And that um, hopefulness, you know, something deeper than optimism sort of imbues Happy. Um, and it really, uh, it, I mean, it's really magical. You know, it's, it's, it's something, not that he's oblivious to the darkness in the world and the way that, you know, particularly the sports agent disposes of him, you know, uses him and then disposes of him, but he has this resilience that carries through. So some, someone who's been through a lot, just to get to Costa Rica, he's, he's, you know, fled Cuba. He's been through the sort of Colombian jungles to make it to Costa Rica. And then his dream is so close you know, the first act, it's like so close, 
Um, and then, you know, when the tables are sort of turned on him, he has that, um, that resilience to keep going. It's like, I'm still going to go, I'm going to make it to the U.S. Um, and then, you know, so Happy has that resilience. And then Carlos is like, I compare him to James Dean. You know, he's like got this brooding sense. He was like, especially in Costa Rica, he was very concerned about the way he was styled and the clothes he was wearing. Um, there's like a scene which is very vivid when Mike and I were there where Carlos was wearing like this pink outfit um, for a day and we were filming these like, you know, these, this voiceover and interview with him, this Verite. Um, so he has this brooding sense, which is a challenge uh, for us as Verite filmmakers because he was more ethereal. He was harder to pin down and like, you know, can we be with you today, Carlos, and film a little bit? And he'd say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he'd send a text, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then that day would, you know, you'd start that day and he'd be like, you know, I gotta I do something. Um, and it was harder to sort of pin him down. And that was one of the trickiest parts in the edit to sort of capture that spirit. Um, but, you know, that brooding sense is really dramatic. You know, I think a lot of people, sort of people gravitate to either Carlos or Happy. You know, you're either a happy person or you're a Carlos person. And it's interesting, like <laughs> screening the film with people. It's like, oh, I love that resilience. You know, that's what how I see myself as like bouncing back. Um, or I'm like Carlos, where it's like I'm brooding, I'm I'm pissed off. It's like I'm sick of the BS. I just want to like tell everybody to f off, and I'm gonna go do my thing. And sort of the third the third of our main characters is Baro, who's kind of like the the baseball prodigy. Yeah. You know, he's he's big and tall and strong. His uh, his uh, great uncle uh, was a Hall of Famer, Tony Perez. Um, so he comes from this bloodline of ball players. His his father, who's still in Cuba, is this kind of Falstaffian figure. I mean, Falstaff's not the he has a Falstaffian like head. It's just an incredible <laughs> head. Um, but like he's you know this bloodline of ball players, and things have just always been easy for Baro. So like that dramatic question which is like archetypal right this is like how you write sports films but just played out in real life it's like is Baro gonna get his shit together and like make the most of his talents because everybody has their eyes on Baro he's he's the tall one he's the strong one he throws 98 you know well he's just stopped partying and get it together um and then you know it was actually I and I, I, I told Mike this before in the edit like one of the the most satisfying things for me emotionally was just that seeing Baro evolve as a person um, and sort of understand that that those things that Carlos and Happy already knew, you know, and uh, yeah. So those are sort of the three the yeah. three guys, the three pillars of our film. Yeah, and and I will say that this film is is like a, it just takes off in a whole bunch of different directions. And their stories are, I have a feeling in some ways, all too familiar for many of the uh, ballplayers who, who embark on this journey. Um, before I go any further, I, I do want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Sammy Khan and Michael Gessert, and they are the co-directors of the film, the documentary film, The Last Out. It, it will be screening at uh, Doc NYC. So you can go online to Doc NYC and watch this uh, beginning on November 11th that runs through the 19th. So there are many, many ways to watch an amazing array of documentary films. And this is one of them. I could spend a half an hour on Gus 
because he is he is either the the angel of mercy or the dark knight in 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 this film. I'm not quite sure as I sit here exactly what his motivations are. How does he make money? There are a lot of questions about Gus, but I'm not going to go too far down that rabbit hole. But he is. Am I describing him aptly? Is he kind of a he's a mixed bag? Is that fair to say, Sammy? Absolutely. Or like whichever one. Yeah, I mean, Gus, you know, he is one of these sort of dream characters when you think about it with with some hindsight. Um, but, you know, sort of like I was saying before, we were sort of riding along this wave with the players as well. And we were we were drinking Gus's Kool-Aid and we were optimistic and, you know, we were on the edge of our seats and felt that Carlos was about to sign, you know, at the end of 2015. So um, as as things became revealed to us, uh, you know, maybe some facts about how Carlos and Happy got to Costa Rica that Gus didn't want to share with us in the beginning, you know, like going through Colombia. I remember I was on the road with Happy and his friend Chele when Happy decided to go north and we were out having beers in Nicaragua because Chele's from Nicaragua and we were just sort of catching our breath there for a few days. And they were telling me the story of I mean, it's just unreal how many times that they were stripped, robbed, you know, held at gunpoint, how many times they had to, you know, call for help. And, you know, and, you know, these are things that I think, um, you know, I don't want to indict anybody or anything, but that some of the participants, you know, were involved in and aware of, but um, obviously are details that, you know, they, they don't want to share with you know, curious filmmakers <laughs> just exploring uh, the dark elements of this story. But as the as the trust and the allegiance grew and changed, um, you know, and we were just in search for the truth, uh, we began to understand its its complexities and how everybody was involved. And and like you said initially, like I don't know how to think about Gus. I mean. You know, that's, I think that's a really good answer. Uh, and, yeah. I, and I think that just epitomizes, you know, uh, true character and, and drama and story and, and, and people who have intentions to do well for themselves and others, but, you know, at, at what cost, you know? So that's sort of the questions that we're hoping to ask. Well, and again, as a viewer, you know, and you would, as you described the Yasiel Puig story, it was smugglers who got him out of Cuba. This is obviously kind of nefarious, uh, you know, underworld of the whole idea of sort of trafficking these athletes around South America, Central America. So there, and so you can maybe attribute some of the stuff that goes on in Costa Rica where Gus, and by the way, if I didn't aptly describe him, he's the agent. He's the man who has set up this camp, uh, this baseball camp for these players to, to play in, to be seen in a showcase for uh, major league scouts. And so it could be Costa Rica. It could be just the politics and culture of Central America, which seems to be collapsing as we speak. So much going on down there that seems like a society in decay. But how much of it is Gus who was convicted? I don't know if I should, maybe I shouldn't even, I don't want to, should I even well, say yeah, that out loud? Yeah. That's what? public. I mean, yeah. Okay. Was, yeah. Well, he was, he was convicted in a, in a smuggling operation thing and he claimed he was completely innocent. Okay. But there's just so much here that just feels like it's just hard to know. And he seems like a nice enough man. And I know it's a tough business, so he can't be, he's not mother Teresa, but he's also, 
a guy making a buck. He's driving yeah. around in a Mercedes. So I, I just. One of know. the interesting things too, I mean, I was talking about happy, you know, how with our, our main characters, people gravitate to happy or Carlos. It's also interesting people. It's like kind of this Rorschach test, you know, <laughs> what you think of, what you think of Gus. Um, and, and some people, you know, some of our uh, finance, uh, financiers are a little more sympathetic to Gus. And I, I understand that they've made their money, their hundreds of millions or whatever they're worth. And, uh, you know, it's like the, the cost of doing business. But for, you know, for Mike and I, you know, we're filmmakers. Uh, we, you know, we're a little bit older to make our first feature film. And we spent a long time making this film. So we know the way that the system can commodify you, can treat you as disposable. Um, and sometimes it's like to avoid that, to avoid people just being sort of churned up by the system. It just takes one person to do the right thing and not commenting on the morality of it or anything. Sometimes if someone, somebody turning a cold shoulder to you can really, you know, set you off on like a, a bad string of events. You don't get that gig. You don't get another gig and you just strike out for a while, you know, pardon the pun. And I think that's sort of what happened with Gus. He had, like Mike said, he has these noble intentions. He wants to help the Cuban people. He also wants to make money. And he could have he could have taken care of Happy. He could have taken care of Carlos. Um, he could have been more transparent. But there was this sense where the balance of what the guys were, they um, it sort of crossed this line between human being to commodity. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that obviously has deeper echoes when you're talking about sports, you're talking about athletes of color, you're talking about this, the responsibility that even a league like Major League Baseball has to, you know, clamp down on this stuff, this sort of shadowy world that, that, that Mike mentioned, you know, it is, Gus is like this Shakespearean figure, like I'll go full, full, uh, full into the Shakespeare metaphors today, but he is this, this, this Shakespearean figure where, you know, you feel bad for him. Like I, we know Gus's, Gus's family and you know it was actually really really hard in the edit to get that balance right where he feels like a human being you understand even if you don't have like a firm takeaway from him you like can understand yeah you can understand him you know yeah that's how I feel I feel I just feel like yeah it's this what I don't know about Gus that troubles me. And um, so, well, I want to thank both of you so much for this film. Congratulations on Doc NYC. This, it's certainly one of the premier uh, festivals for documentary filmmakers. And uh, to to be there is a, is a, is a real honor for, and, and it's deserved. It's a terrific film. Again, we've been talking with the co-directors of The Last Out, and that would be Sammy Kahn and Michael Gassert. And for people who want to find out more about the film, is there a website uh, beyond um, our conversation we can send them to? Uh, Not yet. We hope to announce our distribution plans in the next couple of months. So fingers okay. crossed. And, uh, okay. you know, just Google us and you can find what we're, we're up to. Okay, great. And you could see the film, as I said, go to the docnyc.net a website and a little that'll clue you in as to how to watch all of these films. I think there's over 80 films, 75, 80 films at the, at the festival, including a lot of shorts beyond that. So it is a, it is a, um, it's like a four-year-old being at Disneyland. You'll be completely overstimulated by the time you look through this list. Thank you so very much to both of you, Michael, uh, Michael Kassert and, uh, and Sammy Kahn. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks. Mike. Thanks, Mike. This is great. Thank you.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.